As a young woman, a BDSM experience goes wrong. You're raped and you actually die. You're somehow revived and it sets you on a course to help others who suffer from sexual trauma and issues around gender, sex, relationship, and diversity. I'm very excited to introduce my guest today, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, who is on a mission to bring conversations about sex out of the shadows. Welcome to our show. Welcome to Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast. Off My Duff is all about getting off your backside and finally, making your impact by living your truth. If you are an entrepreneur with a heart to help others, you're in the right place. We chat with guests from seven figures to just starting out because that's how we roll. Off My Duff is the nudge you need to expand your business and slay resistance. So without further ado, I invite you to get off your duff and let's get started now. Here's your host, Duff Gardner. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome today to Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast, where we're all about that little guy who wants to play a big game. And today I'm super excited to have uh, a newer friend of mine all the way from the UK with us, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. How's it going, Lori? It's going well. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's good. And so I was excited to have you on the show because, uh, you know, we're in a common group right now and we were talking offline and you've been in the podcasting world for quite some time. Yeah, I started a podcast in October 2016. Well, that's when it went live. Um, and I can't, I'm trying to remember who advised me to do it, but somebody did. And it seemed like it would be a lot of fun. And so um, I've had the A to Z of sex going since. October of 2016 now. Oh my gosh. And so who tends to come and listen to the A to Z of sex podcast typically? Well, it's a pretty wide bunch as far as I could tell. There's a lot of North Americans, um, okay. although I'm broadcasting from here. I, and part of that is because I'm now on Voice America. Um, and okay. so I do the show live on a Thursday and um, on their health and wellness channel. And so I think since I went to Voice America, my, my U.S., base um and even canadian base got bigger um okay then um, we've got about 50 other countries listening which is pretty cool it, people come i think to hear information on things they might not otherwise know about right and, and sometimes people write questions in there's a phone in but nobody ever phones in <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to be recognized. So they oh, that's tell right. me questions during the show <laughs> or after the show, but they never phone in. It's really funny. But um, yeah, no, I think to learn about, I guess, some of the more interesting aspects of sex, although we do cover just, I mean, it is A to Z deliberately. We cover just about everything. Um, and we talk relationships, intimacy. Um, we started with arousal and I've done that twice. Mm -hmm. I did it as the first episode ever because all sex starts in the mind. Okay. And this, then I did it again as the first episode when I started with um, Voice America. So that was January, 2019. Okay. You can get all the original ones and the newer ones through um, signing up with 
going through, because I send them through Libsyn. So whether you've signed up for the old one or you sign up for the new one, doesn't matter. You'll get all the newer episodes. If you want the older ones, you've got to go to where the, where they're being downloaded with Apple. Got it. It's a different, I think there's probably two podcast listings is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Sounds good. Now you said something a second ago where all sex starts in the mind. Yes. So what does that mean? Before anything happens, there's arousal and arousal starts with a thought or with a feeling or with coveting. Okay. Um, that's where a, a, attraction really beds in and, and takes hold. Right. And so you said earlier that people are shy to have their names show up on the phone. So why is that? Why are we so shy about sex when it's just like it's a core thing? We're human beings. We have sex. That's how things happen, right? Yeah, I think that we're still shy about it because we're still really bedded into um, a, a set of societies where sex has always been seen as shameful. That comes from a lot of religious backgrounds. Although if you go back to the source material, yeah. like, you know, if you go back, for example, in Judaism, if you go back and read the Torah into the source material, sex isn't called something shameful, right? it's it's the interpretations that make it shameful but i think that's where it starts and and unfortunately we haven't grown out of that yet mm-hmm. yeah yeah no i agree and I, I and i love how um you said this offline uh you know i asked you the question what should people know about you and you said you you are you are what you get is what you get is what you said so yeah. i love it that you just put it out there in fact um i i think that's s- sort of brilliant now, obviously you've been in this game for over 30 years. So this is a big reason why you've built attraction and you have an audience and a following. Um, yeah, so I'm excited for you to be here. So you got started down this path quite some time ago when you were in university in Boston. So maybe tell everybody how you got started. What, what was the origins of you getting involved in teaching about sex? So I um, originally um, went to school, I was going to the School of Public Communication because I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. <laughs> That's what Sweet. I was going to do. Okay. Yeah, I was really, and, but um, I had uh, been aware that my sexuality was different from the time I was really young. And right. when I went to university, when I was 19, I met this guy and he was into BDSM and I was into BDSM, although I'd had no experience. Sure. Um, and that relationship, the first two weeks anyway, were fabulous. I finally found somebody who knew what they were doing. Um, And then he dispensed with consent and he held me prisoner for five days. Wow. And during that time I was beaten, repeatedly raped. Um, He actually killed me. I came to with him coming with pounding on my chest and giving me mouth to mouth. Uh, And it, it was an absolutely horrific experience and it just changed the course of my entire career. Wow. So how did you take something like that and turn that into a manifesto for your life? So what happened was that I ended up with PTSD, as you would expect. Sure. Um, And in the process of recovering from PTSD, I decided that I would help others. So my um, first love was the treatment of trauma. um, And I still have an expertise in that. But the thing that didn't go away when the symptoms went away was the shame around my own sexual desires. And that took a lot more work. I had to do a lot of outside the box things in order to get rid of my own shame. 
So I decided I re- what I really wanted to do was help people do that much more quickly. And in more general terms, get sex to be something that is we see as normal. So it's, I mean, I've always said, I, I wanna take sex and conversations about sex from the shadow to the light, because this is, as you said, this is a normal part of life. We shouldn't be ashamed, even of desires that seem different. Right. It, it, it just seems to me that uh, your topic is so apropos for today because, you know, issues of gender identity, sexual desire, these things are all kind of swirling around all of us. And so, um, like, how do you sort that out within your practice and what kind of people do you tend to work with when you're actually doing the work? So I, I mean, I see people, I have a specialty in gender Um, sex and relationship diversity. So that includes LGBTQ, um, consensual non-monogamy, so polyamory and all the little other bits of non-monogamy and um, kink and BDSM. So I do have a large part of my practice of people who are either in one of these identities or they're looking to open up their relationships or they're looking to have a good power exchange relationship or a good BDSM based relationship. Um, And that's a a good portion of my practice. I also see a lot of people who have survived sexual violence who are looking to figure out who they are. Um, And then, you know, I have a soft spot for, for just educating the person that comes along and says, you know, I have this great relationship, but we no longer have sex. Right. And what do I do about it? So those are the other folks that I see and spend a lot of time with. Okay, cool. Now, um, on your show, uh, I'm, obviously you talk about these kinds of things, but what are, some, what are some shows or maybe what are some topics that stand out for you when people come and listen to the A and Z, to, to the okay. A to Z of sex podcast? Yeah. Let's see. Um, well, last, last we, we just did F is for Fetish again. I've okay. done it twice. Um, F is for Fetish. But this last one was a lot of fun. Um, and we talked about shame around fetishes and what a fetish really is. So that was one of the fun ones. Recently, I had the privilege of interviewing Barry Lynn and we did A is for amendment. And um, so he talked about um, being um, around for the Mies Commission on Pornography. And um, he was part of the ACLU then. He was counsel for the ACLU then. And so he he told us some great stories about looking at um, sex through the lens of a very puritanical government. I mean, it was fabulous. So that was a good one. Um, Let's see, we've done, well, we did W is for water sports um, and and other fetishes, but in that one, we were talking about the more unusual fetishes. Um, So I thought that was a good one. Oh, oh God, why is for your kink is not my kink, but it's okay. And I had two guests on that were an absolute riot. So we talked about foot fetishes there and a bunch of other things. That's cool. I've also had shows on um, what happens when you have mismatched desire or um, I did S's for sexless relationships with Dr. Patty Britton some time ago. And that was amazing too. So I get amazing people on as well. So it, it just makes the show a lot more fun. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, our, our, se- our sexuality and our desires and our, our, the way that we express ourselves uh, sexually, the energy associated with that, 
uh, I've heard a lot of mostly women say, but I agree with it 100% is that it's part of how we express ourselves in this world. And I even have had entrepreneur friends of mine who are quite successful and they actually encourage their clients to express themselves through sort of a sexual energy uh, coming out of them as when they're expressing their brand. Does that resonate with you? Is there something in that that you want to speak to? Absolutely. I mean, I, I just recently was on a summit for authority and influence, and I talked about this. Okay. Um, I talked about where I believe charisma comes from. Um, and charisma is all about energy. And it's all about, it's, the, it's when somebody has an energy that you just want, right? Because it's exciting and it's potent and it's powerful. Right. And that comes from being aligned and if you are aligned with your sexual energy, then you can tap that source. And if you tap that source, you're irresistible. Sexual confidence is absolutely irresistible wherever you see it. So you don't have to be talking about sex. You just have to be tapped into the energy, but you can only do that if you are comfortable being authentically you. And there's a lot of people who have a huge disconnect around what they like, what they enjoy. Some people don't even know what they desire. Um, a far more than than you might believe. Right. So you can't tap into that unless you're actually centered and grounded in it. But right. if you are, it's it's immensely powerful, particularly if you're doing something like where you're on a stage. So you're speaking from a stage or you're or right. you're doing video or something like that because it really comes across. Right. And and you come at this honestly, like you are um, a PhD in clinical psychology, you're certified ICF, like you have a ton of experience and you come at this like you walk the walk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I've got, I think, I think it's always interesting because there are a lot of people who don't, haven't had professional training and that doesn't mean that they don't have value to offer. They do, but I do come from a different direction than a lot of people in my field. I do have the professional training in in two professions in psychology and and in coaching, um, as well as my own experience, as well as, you know, 30 years experience plus of clients so I've got all of their viewpoints and all of their stories, um, which means that I guess for me, it's, it's, it, it just feels very integrated when I work with people. It's just, it's just very easy to tap into various things because of all of that. Right. Uh, now you have a book that's out that you just published your erotic memoir. You just published it in May of 2020 which is awesome. In fact, um, I'll let you give the title because it's a bit longer, but I think that's fascinating. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, so, uh, you know, I told you the earlier story about how I ended up on this path. And um, for years, I've said that part of what informs my work, there's a lot of talk about once somebody's traumatized, they learn to live with it. And, and, you know, people go from victim to survivor. And then nobody talked about what happened afterwards. And I've always said that what you want is for somebody to go beyond that and back into life so Mm -hmm. that the trauma is something that's, you don't forget it, but it's not something that's in your daily life. Um, So a couple of years back, I said, uh, I really want to write this memoir because I want to tell the story of how I end up being in a good place in life. Right. Even having come through this, because I keep meeting people who are telling me that that's not possible. Um, and I've written lots of erotica over the years. And I was speaking with um, um, a friend and colleague who said, you should do an erotic memoir. So you sh- it's like push the buttons and then tell the story and then put some resolution in there. 
So I thought about it and I thought it would be interesting. Um, and so I decided that for NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writers Month, Writing Month, and I don't know how many people, National which is in November every year. I don't know how many people know about this, but I have friends who have written books during that time. I said, I'm gonna write the draft in November. And I had written lots of bits and pieces over the years for this and I got stuck. So just before the writing started, I went back to Boston for the first time and I hadn't realized that I had, um, once I graduated, I'd never gone back. And I'd gone back to all sorts of other places, but I'd never gone back there. So I did that and, and the form of the novel just came. And um, so it's called Dancing the Edge to Surrender, an erotic memoir of trauma and survival. And um, it's, it's really intense. I mean, I just say that straight out. And it is, it is my erotic life. Um, although I do talk a bit about my early life in various places. It's really focused from pretty much, you know, the main of the book is from around that age of, from the age of 17 when I went off to university through to current day. Um, and so you'll know a lot more about me if you read this book. Right. Uh, I guess I decided, I, I thought about that long and hard as to whether I was willing to disclose that much. I already disclosed a lot about myself in the last five years. Um, sure. And so I decided that really, if I'm going to be standing up there and saying, I walk my talk and you know what you see is what you get, um, or in England, it does what it says on the tin. So my people <laughs> will know that. Um, I really just wanted to be able to stand there and say, look, this is what I'm talking about, about not having shame. This is me. You may not be into what I'm into, but that's okay. I'll own what I'm into. And it is because I can own these things that I have the life that I do. Yeah, I agree with you. I think like, to me, it's, it's a big thing when I work with clients too, is question kind of arises like how do you stand out in this marketplace as an entrepreneur and kind of what we're talking about today is it you know you can work on the words you can work on the strategies the tactics you can do all these different things and you can line up say like 10 people in a room who do the same thing speak similar words and you, like you said earlier you're going to gravitate to the one that vibrationally you connect to how do yeah. you stand out? It's this, right? It's totally this. It's being you. That's how you yeah. stand out. And yeah. um, and that, I think that goes for everything. I mean, you get, you create better relationships when you know who you are. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, so now you really do walk the walk. Right now, and on a personal level, you're in a successful 11-year polyamorous relationship. Um, tell us about that and how that relates to your entrepreneurship. Okay, so I am, I mean, I'm, so our, my relationship is a power exchange. So it's a BDM-based relationship. Um, I'm, I'm the submissive, which people always find really amusing because um, I'm not in the world, but I am. Um, and, um, so, and I married him. So we're 11 years together. Um, we're married since 2014. Okay. Um, and we've been polyamorous from the beginning. We have rules what I should say for people who are not familiar with consensual non-monogamy is that every relationship is like a fingerprint. So it, there is no one way to do this. And the way it's successful is you create your own rules right. and you negotiate them between you. Um, I guess the more that, the more that I am who I am, the easier it is for me to do what I do. He's completely supportive of what I do out in the world. He will show up for different things. So he's not in this field at all. 
right. you know. Um, but when I do things, like when I do in-person, when the world's open, when I do in-person workshops on polyamory, he'll come along for part of it and people can interview him about his perspective and what it's been like for him because it's useful for people to see a couple that functions well. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's fun. And in your in your business, you've done it. You've taken another step. You brought somebody on your team, and you, we were talking offline. And one of the things that you said, uh, I thought was kind of important. And I think like sometimes as business owners, we get kind of we start comparing ourselves to others, and you know, should I do this? Um, so one little fascinating little thing is you, you put a profile on like one of the websites where your community lives, and that was her suggestion, right? Like Fat Life. So I think like I just that's another thing that I, I love about you is that you you're going to where your exact clients are, which is like a huge lesson for any entrepreneur, you know, to, to do that. I think so one I of the it. things that I learned, and I agree with you, one of the things that I learned is and I've hired quite a number of coaches over the last number of years. I only got serious about doing that a few years ago. So I've been mm -hmm. in different programs and I've hired different people and I've had different experiences. It's, I, actually, it's more than a few years now. I guess it's like eight, right? I've had different experiences, some of them horrible and every right. entrepreneur will know this and some sure. of them fab. <laughs> what was so exciting about, about this person was that, so she's a social media strategist yeah. and a marketing strategist. And I'd never considered hiring a strategist in that area before, but we met at a PR course and, um, and I liked her. We were both there attending and I liked her. So I asked what she did and she told me and I thought, well, you know what? I really like your, your vibe. I booked a 30 minute appointment and she came to that appointment having looked at all my stuff and then suggested like, she's like, do you have a professional profile on FetLife? I said, no, never considered it. Go put a profile up. And what that said to me was this person took the time to research me and understood exactly where I was coming from, which was the first time I have to be honest, any coach, without having talked to me had done that. Right. And for, for, if for somebody who's going to promote you, you want them to understand you that well. Absolutely. So that was definitely a lesson for me. I was like, okay, this is, this is interesting. You know, I'm definitely, but again, that was an energy thing as well. The resonance was there. Right. Yeah. So we've started working together and, um, some of the advice is very similar, which always makes me feel good, right? When, right. when coaches say the same thing, I, I feel much better. <laughs> um, so some things she said has reinforced some stuff that I had already been told and I had already been working on, so that's good. Um, other stuff has made me decide to, to stop doing okay. some programs and stuff because I've realized that we're at complete loggerheads and I'm like, oh, this really isn't working. Oh, I better cool. just, you know, it's time to... And it's one of the hard, was one of the hardest things for me to learn so far as an entrepreneur. Sure. Is, is, you know, what you need and what you don't need. What you need to spend your money on and what you don't need to spend your money right, on. Right, right. Well, that brings up another point. I like to ask my guests about this topic, and I, I mentioned this offline, is um, I find the word resistance really interesting. And everybody has a different relationship to that word, but I hear it all the time. So when you hear that word, and how does that relate to you and what you do? So it's funny because resistance, of course, is, is a, um, has a specific psychological meaning as well. Sure. Um, and it's something that, that psychodynamic therapists talk a lot about, you know, when the client hits resistance. I am not psychodynamic, but I was trained that way. Sure. Um, 
I, so I do, when I reach things, for me, resistance tells me in myself, does tell me that something is going on and I need to pay attention to what's going on. Um, and sometimes it's very much the psychoanalytic analytic way, which means something's going on that I need to look at myself about. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the time I've noticed now, because I do a lot of personal work regularly anyway, I think all therapists should do that. That's just my bias. Um, if I'm really resistant to something somebody's, somebody's telling me, I take a step back and have a look at the, the overall picture of the relationship with them. Because that's usually got to do with the relationship, not necessarily what they're telling me. Um, and so in a business setting, for example, I had somebody that I was working with and I found that at, that at one point it got to a place where everything that he said, I was like, no, 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 that doesn't make sense to me. No, that doesn't. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, what's going on here? And I, when I took a step back, I realized that actually the relationship wasn't working. And it, it, so these may be perfectly good suggestions, but they're being wasted on me right now because they're coming from him. Right. So I, you know, so at that point I said, you know, this is, this, it's time for me to leave. Yeah. And decided to put the suggestions in the cool box and not think about them until after the relationship was over. And it turned out that two of them were very good suggestions that I had just dismissed out of hand because I was resistant to, to, to where they were coming from. Got it. Huh. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I always find people's response to that question fascinating. And that was a different one again. Yeah, so thanks. Uh, and another question I like to ask people is just, you know, if you're to sort of package up your biggest insight in your entrepreneurial journey so far, Lori Beth, like, what would that be? If you were to sort of package it up for other people? Um, be vulnerable, be authentic, be yourself. Okay. I mean, that really is it. Um, I spent a lot of years trying to do stuff. I mean, I was working with people. I always had a small, well, small to me, but not to others practice doing this. Right. Um, but I spent a lot of years working with people, but presenting it in a, in a kind of a much more distant way right. from me. Um, more classic, I mean, I, you know, remembering I was trained as a classic therapist and you don't talk about yourself, you, people don't know about you. Um, I was trained in the dark ages because like I said, you know, this is more than 30 years ago. So I was trained in the eighties, um, when we didn't have an internet and therefore, um, it was actually possible to go to a therapist and know boop all about the therapist except for their name and their degrees. Right. And so you could be a blank slate because unless you let something slip, they wouldn't know. But of course, in the days of the internet, people look you up. So they, they wanna know about you anyway. Um, and the discussion was always, how much do you share? How much don't you share? And the rule of thumb is share what's useful for the client. Well, it turns out in my, with my cohort, yep. and I understand this because I've been a client myself, you want somebody who you don't have to teach about your the world, you only have to teach your world. So. I don't wanna to have to teach somebody about power exchange relationships if I'm going for therapy. I want them to learn about my form of that. I want them to already know about the basics of kink and BDSM and then I'll tell them how I do it. Hmm. Um, so that 
for me was a, oh, maybe I should tell people I actually really know about this, <laughs> right? Right. Um, and so that was a revelation. And as soon as I started being comfortable and just saying, you know what, I don't really care. The people who aren't comfortable with me or who don't like me, those aren't my clients anyway. And as an entrepreneur, that was the hardest lesson to get through my head. Like, I don't have to tell them all the 120 million things that I am actually extremely competent at doing because I don't, you know, do you remember, remember a coach saying to me, do you want to work with that kind of person? I'm like, no. Well, then why are you talking? You may be really good at that, but you don't want that client, do you? I said, no, it's tedious. Right. Right. And it was yep. just like, oh, okay. So that's definitely it. The, the, the more vulnerable, honest and open you are, not every session, obviously, but right. in general, so that you're seeing um, the better you are at promoting the better you are at client at gaining clients client selection it just it just works across the board yeah no i love it i i love how real you are in that conversation um i think that's a huge lesson for people you know just uh to to live your truth and to to be who you are it's it's the strongest weapon in your arsenal to you know have a successful business you can't and you can't be anybody else anyway no you're right I, I've got a brief story. So when I was, um, and this, uh, while I'm, cause I still do trauma work and I was doing trauma work. Sure. And I um, pitched for a contract to deliver some type of staff support system to um, an ambulance service, a huge ambulance service. I'd never done that before. Okay. Right. And I was up against a woman who ran one of the biggest employee assistance programs in the country at the time. So I, put in my proposal, got on the train to go up to this thing. At the time I was still a smoker. So I was, and, and the compartments were still, still had smoking compartments tells you how long ago that was. And I was sitting in the smoking compartment. She wasn't, we ended up in the same taxi over to the thing. And she's in a suit buttoned up with a bun. I was wearing a dress, but my hair, um, I have loads of curly hair. My loads of curly hair was everywhere as it usually is. Um, and we got to the place and we were greeted and they said, okay, well, you're going to go first to her. Um, and Dr. Bisbee, come on, we, we've arranged for you to have the ride along you asked for. So off I went to interview some of the actual ambulance service personnel about what they wanted. Right. I had my pitch together, but I got their information. So I added that to the pitch. I went in and I did the pitch. And we were done. Um, and the chairman came out to speak to me. The chairman is, you know, up mm -hmm. at the top, all buttoned down. Chairman of the board looks at me and he says, um, you've gotten the job. And I said, thank you. And he said, I didn't choose you. So like, <laughs> okay. He said, but I'm not the one who needs your help. Right. My people need your help and you they can talk to. Beautiful. And that's what it was. I was there. I was myself. I was accessible. And that's why I got that job. Nice. It was a huge thing. It, uh, and it was a huge lesson for the person who came with me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You have a, you have a, um, now on your, on your website, uh, if people go to a to Z of sex, Dot com, I guess, right for the podcast. Yeah, so uh, there's a there's a sexual map that you have available on that site, correct? If people go and like, if I got that correct, or I just missed. Well, there's there's um, and it it will be, it will well, there is it's yes. it's actually a thirty day program. Got it. 
um, called the A to Z of sex. And what it does is help you to create your own sexual map. So it's self-guided. There's some video components. There's some audio components. Wonderful. Um, and then if you go and you sign up for the list so that you get all the information from the site, yeah. um, which means you'll get everything to do with A to Z of sex. You might also get some stuff about what else I'm doing, but I'll ask your permission for that first. Sure. You get a couple of um, specimen chapters from the book, which will be out within a couple of months, which is the A to Z of sex. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, I've had a fabulous talk with you. I could actually talk to you for a long time, uh, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Uh, Lori Beth, thanks so much for being on Off My Duff today, the show. I, it's been fabulous to have you. Um, really interesting topic. And again, like I could talk to you forever. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Oh, gosh. And to all the listeners, thanks again for showing up to Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast. And as you go out into the world to make your impact, remember one thing, teach what you love and live from your truth. I'm Duff Gardner. I'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. I'm Duff Gardner, and you've been listening to my show, Off My Duff, the entrepreneur podcast, where we're all about getting off your backside and making your impact by living your truth. If you're like me and you're an entrepreneur with a heart to help others, you need an offer that sells. An offer that sells helps you get traction with your business, more sales, more clients, more gigs, more fans, and more deals, period. And here's what I believe. Your offer is the purest expression of your truth. So that's why I've created a free ebook, Offers That Sell, the eight-step revenue breakthrough system. Simply go to offersthatsell.com forward slash book to grab your free copy and you can even follow it up with a chat with me, should you wish. It's been wonderful to have you here with us today. And as you get off your backside to make your impact on the world, remember one thing, teach what you love, live from your truth. I'm Duff Gardner, see you next time, bye now.